Clitus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the Helming Power Hour. <laughs> show by ourselves in a while so we thought uh, what a neat way to get back into the groove if you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah that's uh starting to sound a little too intimate uh, that's okay we'll get we'll we'll get past that part macho macho man that'll that'll make a scene i want to be I'm so <laughs> yeah but yeah welcome back to episode 13 <laughs> the helming power hour i don't know why i can't say that <laughs> well, it's okay. I'll say the Hailming Power Hour. <laughs> That's a good Jonathan Winters. Good job. Thanks. <laughs> yep, I'm Rick, as always, and I've got my six shooting, rooting, tooting, cowboy killing partner, Danny Bennett. That's right, and I'm about to sing the entire chorus from Cat Blue. <laughs> so, yeah, we got a little special episode for you, and uh, you'll hear a lot of things that sound kind of like this. Oh. <laughs> I kind of missed that. <laughs> yeah, I missed that too. You'll hear some things reminiscent to this. That's right, it's Beastmaster in the Wild West. <laughs> yes, welcome to our Western episode. And uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Again, we haven't done a show by ourselves in a while, so uh, we can uh, just be as stupid as we want to be. And, that's uh, right, we have to impress those those guests. That's like, right. Uh, have to know, act, act like we know what we're talking about. So Right, and have to be all Bo Ransdale about it. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, and we were talking about this earlier. I am not the biggest Western fan, but uh, I can pretty much name every Western I like probably on one hand. But two of those movies are these two movies. So uh, these two are fantastic. Of course. And, you know, these are two Western movies that stand uh, outside of the Western genre because they they aren't your typical Western. And that's probably why we're mentioning them. They also both don't get enough love. Right. The the, the first movie that we're going to talk about today is... uh, Starring Tom Selleck, uh, Laura San Giacomo, and Alan Rickman. It's uh, the Australian Western, Quigley Down Under. Wait a minute. Are you saying that we just stepped into the 90s on this show? We might have just stepped into the 90s with this one. Oh, uh, man. Now I, 
I was reading about it, and, and it actually was slated to be made, and Tom Selleck was on board. And uh, because of some problems where it got rewritten, and then it was historically inaccurate, and so some people backed out because they didn't want to make an Australian movie that was going to get this kind of market that was all um, historically inaccurate for Australia, um, it, it got postponed for a long time. And Tom Selleck was so interested in the project that he came back after years of it being on the skids. Cool. So it might have been originally slated for the 80s, but uh, it looks like it got released in 1990, according to IMDb. All right. Well, they should know, I guess. That's how they get paid the big bucks. So you got Quigley Down Under, which is a great, great, fun, entertaining movie. But the other movie, the awesome Sam Raimi direction, Quick and the Dead. I think you said it all there with, with Sam Raimi. I mean, right. Sam Raimi tells the story, and what did he do? He went out west. And he made a movie that it, it told the story of a, of a gunfighting tournament. And it is so rich with interesting characters and fantastic cinematography. And the plot is built into the tournament that goes around it. It's got Gene Hackman as a bad guy. Yeah, it's just awesome, man. And uh, can't wait to get into that one. We have, we've watched that one several times together. So uh, it's going to be a fun show, folks. So just uh, hang on to your hats. How about that? Yeah, your, your five-gallon hat. <laughs> uh, Ten gallon hat? Sure. Sharpen up your spurs. Ooh. Shine, yeah! shine up your belt buckle. <laughs> I will be right back. Alright, alright, alright. This here's Matthew McConaughey. And you're listening to Hail Ming Power Hour. I listened to Hail Ming Power Hour long before anyone told me to. I just like the way it sounds. All right. Ready for movie number one. The fantastic Tom Selleck in the movie Quigley Down Under. And why Down Under? We're in Australia. That's right, because he answers a call to go uh, do some pest control, some uh, shooting some uh, native dogs in Australia, and uh, ends up in a world of hurt when he locks horns with Alan Rickman, when he finds out the true nature of what he was called down there to do. Right. It's it's just a fun, action-packed movie. Lots of great stuff in it. Good storytelling, too, man. Great bad guys, and we'll get into all that stuff. But uh, you, you ready for the synopsis? I'm ready. All right. This, this is going to be a treat. I can't yeah. wait. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, to give us a synopsis, and a very big fan of this movie is a very crappy Michael McDonald. Watching Quigley 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, I think Quigley Down Under might be taking it to the streets. <laughs> he uh, he said saving baby CeeLo Green in there. Did you hear that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, man. Uh, let's, let's, get in, let's get into this. Why do we watch Quigley Down Under besides it being the land of Abba? Well, besides it being the land of Abba, I'm going to say the reason you watch Quigley Down Under, it's got to be the sharpshooter sequences. Oh, it, yeah. You know, the, the music kicks up, the banjo starts plucking, and, and you know that the clock is ticking. But the great thing about that is that Quigley is such a fantastic sharpshooter with his amazing experimental rifle that it doesn't matter how far the bad guy really gets away, he can shoot him. Right. Yeah, there's, there's a whole setup of that, too, to just show you how awesome he is where, you know, he's he's asking, questioning his abilities to shoot, and he has the guy run out there with the bucket. <laughs> about there will do. And it's just unbelievable how far away he is. Shoots that bucket like three or four times, so pretty bad dude. Yeah, and, and you know, for those of you, again, these movies, the uh, Quigley Down Under and The Quick and the Dead, but Quigley Down Under does not get the credit it deserves. It's it's kind of an off the wall plot for a western, so I guess that's why I didn't get the love it deserves. But it's Tom Selleck and Alan Rickman, right? I mean, it, you know, sure. The the top reason I just gave was these sequences where Tom Selleck is a sharpshooter, but I mean, those are just the the action sequences that carry you through the movie. Um, having rewatched it, it does have some downtime in the middle of it, which I do remember from yeah. watching it in the past, but it's a little more than I, than I recall. It might also be because I just watched Quick and the Dead, which has no downtime. Right. But, and this movie's a bit longer too. It's, it's a longer movie. Right. And, but it's still worth a watch because by the end of it, I mean, the hero is, is awesome. You know, the, the, the struggle is, is good. It's got a great, you know, uh, uh moral to the story. Alan Rickman's a great bad guy, and it's oh, just yeah. it's one of those ones that you can put a feather in your cap and say, you know what I saw? Quigley Down Under. Right, right. It, it's got some great sequences in it, and you know, even from the very opening when he's on the boat, you've got the guys that are causing a bunch of trouble, and you know, he just knows how to handle and be and be cool in every situation. And uh, yeah. you kind of get that throughout, man. He never gets rattled, even even when you know death is right there in his face. Yeah, he's cool, you know, and that's. That's uh, it really makes the character, I, and I'm not a big Tom Selleck fan, but it really works in this movie. You know, I wouldn't call myself the biggest Tom Selleck fan, but I always like him. Yeah, sure. I mean, he's in that new show now. I don't watch it, and I don't want to, but oh. <laughs> not because of Tom Selleck, just because I, you know, it's kind of a family cop drama or something. I'm not, right. I'm not interested in that. Quickly on top, is that what it's called? Yeah, it's uh, called. Uh, Eight is enough, Quigley's. Helming. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, man. There's, I mean, there's some great stuff, and Crazy Cora is uh, such a great character in this movie, and and you end up just really liking her just because of just how insane she is, and uh, this is called Crazy Cora for a reason. Yeah, I mentioned her by her. The actress's name is Laura San Giacomo. She was in Pretty Woman. She plays a uh, uh, the best friend of the main character in that. Um, Julia Roberts' character. She's been in a, a number of things, but but ultimately she does a great job playing uh, just a, a character that's been driven insane, and she ends up kind of latching on to Quigley, and she's what helps him to keep his humanity through the whole thing. You know, he, he could be one of those drifter, you know, ride-into-town, uh, Rambo kind of style characters or, you know, 
right. man with no name kind of thing. But instead, they, they gave him this this character that goes along with him that keeps him grounded and keeps him being that polite, you know, cool in every situation character that, that Rick mentioned. And that's important. Right. It's what makes this a di- little different than your average Western. And uh, you kind of mentioned earlier, too, about him being a hired gun that answers to this reply, comes in to do the job. And, you know, what they really want him to do is is kill off the Aborigine while he's there. <laughs> a scene that I love, though, is when he sits down to eat with Alan Rickman and they have that conversation. <laughs> and you see Alan Rickman come flying out of the, out of the window or the door or whatever it is. Nobody knocks me out of my own house. <laughs> and- and he goes back in and he gets knocked out again, right? <laughs> yeah. So he's yeah. just he's just haymaking these people left and right, man. <laughs> well, and again, it's it's good filmmaking too because you don't see him knock Alan Rigman either time. Right. It's just the setup and the punchline. You know, he yeah. uh, it literally the punchline. Right. And then he then he sends all of his thugs in there to go get him. And this is another one of those those moments where you know it it, it teaches a lesson. He he's he's about to fortify. And uh, and just kind of figure out, I guess he, and he's cool as a cucumber this whole time too. Right, he's right. in this guy's uh, house, and part of the reason this movie is so long is because they want to convey the vastness yeah. of the outback. You know, the outback is this huge, untamable land, and you know, part of the 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 time consuming nature of this movie is they should. There, there's like a ten minute stint where they're just riding on a wagon to get out to the guy's farm, right? And it's because they want to show that they want to show you just how how deep in it he is when he locks horns with him. He's trapped out there in the middle of nowhere. Right. Yeah. So they they finally get him. They they cheat and give him a beat down. They take him and Crazy Cora out in the middle of the desert to die. They find their way out. He's he's slick just like always. He's always got a plan. Don't want to ruin too much of it because you need to check it out. But it's it's some awesome stuff, man. And, and again, it just shows you how good of a shot he is. And uh, from there, man, it's uh, survival in, in the desert for a long time. Well, you know, one of the things I like about that, too, and I noticed it when I rewatched, was Crazy Cora, you know, she goes back and forth from being crazy. And, you know, whenever she is being crazy, she refers to, to Matthew Quigley, <laughs> whose name is Matthew. And she refused to refer to him as Roy. Yeah, sorry, and, Roy. <laughs> and he's like, you know, my name's not Roy. And sometimes, you know, she'll say, hey, Roy, you want to do something? And he'll say... No, I don't. And then later he'll say, well, I, I kind of want to, you know, you remember before when you asked me and she'll say no. And I'll say, well, what's my name? And she'll say, Matthew. You tell me all the time. <laughs> you know, she does a great job of bringing this crazy character to bear. Yeah. But she's not just crazy. Like she's her backstory comes out. Right. And, you know, a la the last episode of MASH, it's one of those stories where, you know, when she was afraid for her life and her child's life, she smothered her baby. It's it's and she plays it really well. And then the next morning, she forgot she told him about the whole thing. He's still Roy again. Roy, the guy who left her after she, you know, made this horrible mistake that that haunts her every day. Right. And it's a great character development in the middle of this western. You know, yeah. they very well could have just had these sharpshooter sequences. You know, they could have had this action movie, but they threw this real human element, and uh, and it does a good job of really giving you good characters to chew on. Yeah. A reason that I've got wrote down to, to watch this movie, it's got some drug scenes like Altered States in it. <laughs> some Ken Russell looking stuff going on. So 
out whether you know just stranded out in the desert they find the aborigines take them in and kind of take care of them for a while and uh, they give them a little something something and uh it gets a little crazy yeah well i mean they were already about to die from being dehydrated so they probably were pretty susceptible to whatever was given to them right who was it that we had on oh it was it was bo when we were talking about starman how just so many movies aren't optimistic anymore. Right. And I think Quigley Down Under falls into the category of, yeah, there are some unsavory characters, but there's a point in this part where they get taken in by the Aborigines. Right. And he says, why are they treating us so well? Every white person with a gun is trying to kill them. Right. And, and she says, well, not you. And he says, but they don't know that. I mean, so either the intimation is there that they know that he's not trying to kill them or they're just willing to help anybody. Right. And, you know, I think that's a real statement on, you know, the, the optimism that these people who, even though they're being, you know, hunted to extinction, they're still willing to help a traveler who's, who's captured, who looks just like the people that are trying to kill them. Right. And speaking of which, later on, there's, again, Alan Rickman's group of, of henchmen or whatever, or uh, they've got all these aborigines gathered together, and they're basically just running them off the side of a cliff, man. Running them off a cliff. It's a hard scene to watch. It really is, man. It's it's as it's as horrific as as anything, and uh, yeah, that's that's a tough one, man. And uh, that just shows you just just the barbaric actions of these people. They they really want them gone. I guess so they can claim the land. You're fighting over a desert, so whoop de doo, you know. I know. I mean, it's all historically accurate. You know, like I mentioned before, there were some people that uh, slowed the release of this movie because they wanted the time period to be right, and it's probably because they wanted the history to be accurate. Because it is one of those historical stories that you know, at least over here in America, you don't hear very often. I do know that the the uh, extermination of the Aborigines is something that the Australians came out about and uh, started talking about what in the, in the 90s. And uh, it's something that, you know, nationality-wise, they're not exceptionally proud of. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, like I said, that's, that really stood out to me, just that whole scene, because that's, that's just barbaric, man. Just run them over that edge. And, of course, you know, Quigley's doing his best. He starts trying to knock off the bad guy. So, you know, they, they save a few of them, but there's a bunch of them that's down at the bottom of that cliff. And, and uh, while they're down there, uh, Crazy Cora saves a baby. Which looks she, like a looks like a little CeeLo Green. <laughs> and that, that endears me. I like CeeLo Green. Of course, CeeLo yeah, Green does awesome. look like a like an adult baby. Right. He's got the little stumpy fingers and stuff. Right. And yeah. if you're listening, CeeLo, first of all, thanks for listening. Yeah. We secondly love you. secondly, I'm not saying anything bad. Uh, you know, when you left the voice, I quit watching. Of course I, I probably would have quit watching it anyway. I don't I, watch I never it. really watched it, but I remember when Norris Barkley performed on MTV Awards and you were dressed up as like Star Wars characters. That's awesome in my book. So, you know, bottom line, CeeLo Green, if you're listening, we love you. If you're not listening, start listening. That's right. What's the hold up? All right. So, uh, again, I'm just going to go back through this real quick. And, you know, I know you're saying what moral values on the Hail Ming Power Hour, talking about extermination of people and genocide. That's not what we're talking about. As a matter of fact, what we're talking about is in the context of the movie, how bad are the bad guys? Right. The bad guys are bad. They're taking these these altruistic native people in Australia, which and who knows that that history might not be accurate either. But they are running them off of cliffs, babies, women, you know, families. They're they're herding them across the the outback when they get a chance, and they're 
running them off of cliffs because they want the land. And so who's going to stop all this, at least in this little section of the story that we call Quigley Down Under? Matthew Quigley. That's right. Or Roy, better to see you, you know, what side you're on, if you're on the crazy side. Well, and, and the uh, the catharsis of that character, you know, the, the fact that at the end of the movie, we'll have to spoil that, but we'll wait till the end of the story to, to, to give that. Because it's a fantastic twist that as uh, Matthew, I guess, falls in love with Cora through the, the whole movie, he makes a move at the very end that not only, you know, affirms his life, his love for her, but also it saves his life. So far, what we got, we got sharpshooter sequences to some some pretty bumping banjo music. <laughs> we have uh, the fact that Matthew Quigley is cool in every situation, including being driven out in the middle of nowhere to work for a guy and then deciding he's not going to work for the guy and then being hunted by the guy. He's still cool. Even when he wakes up from being unconscious, he's got a plan. So he escapes from the thugs. I cannot say how much, you know, we, we didn't want to spoil it, so I'm not going to. But that sequence where he escapes from uh, the thugs in, involved that have been taking him out in the middle of the desert to die. Yeah. yeah. It is a great sequence. Fantastic. Because it just shows, you know, first of all, how on the ball Quigley is. Yeah. He knows exactly, you know, Elliot Marston is the, Marston is the name of Alan Rickman's character who sends his thugs out there to leave him out in the desert to die. But what happens when, when Quigley wakes up, he's got a plan to, you know, to, to start escaping. Now, there's a little bit of deus ex machina in that the guy who brings him out there also has Quigley's rifle. Right. And, but he manages to get that guy over to him. And then uh, from there, he, he manages to, to do some quick thinking and get them escaped. Right. It's an awesome sequence. It really is. And at the, this point, this is also where he's been beaten up profusely so it's almost like he's near death already but he still has a plan you can't hold him down (laughs) he does have that western trope that he is the the drifter who is never really out of sorts he he always knows exactly what he's going to do right which is a little different from all the heroes in um in quick and the dead for sure absolutely well you know after that i've got the um aborigines saved them for some altered states Drug scenes, yeah, and eating some grubs, and then eating also some grub worms. Learn how to dance and do the whip and nay nay. They kind of got that going on for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he learns some of the Aboriginal ways of getting water and uh, and surviving on the land. And of course, Becky kept saying, "I wonder which one has the Coke bottle." <laughs> Was that a God's must be crazy mention? Yes, Helming, you got it. Those were the Bushmen of the Kalahari Desert, though. I don't know. It was just, you know, we don't know. Way to go, I'm... Becky. No, no, no. <laughs> seriously. It's, it's, a, it's a reference to God's must be crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, they, they learn uh, how to, you know, from the Aborigines, they teach them the way, and he teaches them how to braid some leather. Cora learns how to, you know, weave some baskets or something. I don't know what she's learned over there. Yeah. From there, yeah, they wake up, and the Aborigines are going away, and that's when he gets a chance to... To shoot some bad guys because the bad guys have caught those aborigines that saved their lives and right. they're so he, wrangling them up. And he puts up he puts up a plan together to go into town and start knocking these guys off too. So he's not going to try to just run in and, and tackle everybody. He's just going to come in and, and just do his business. Well, he's a plotter, right? Oh, another reason to watch this movie. It's kind of off the off the map here a little bit, but there's a scene where you get to see some barbecued iguana. And I've always wondered about that because I remember that song "Wall of Voodoo." Yeah, "Wall of Voodoo" is always out. Tijuana eat barbecued iguana. 
Well, you get I to thought, see it in this one, folks. I thought that was Mexican radio, not Australian radio. Yeah, well, you know. Still, you get barbecued iguana. Doesn't matter I, where it's at. Actually, I think the uh, the Australian version is barbecued guana. Aren't they guanas? Sure. Hey, and here's another connection to the 80s. This may have been come out in the 90s, but to the 80s, who eats grub worms? Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> he gives that grub worm to that lady. Right. And he uses his giant knife to open that can of food because he doesn't eat grub worms for real. I was going to say Puma and Timon, but sure. Crocodile Dundee. Same thing. <laughs> Hell, Ming. Hey, another big one for me, too, man, is when the dingoes start coming around. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's, that's frightening stuff, man. Yeah, the, the dingoes, you know, the wild dogs of, of the Australian outback, they come around and, and it gives Cora an opportunity to save the baby that she saved once already and to kind of redeem herself from her mistake in her youth. She, she's afraid just like she was afraid. And instead of smothering the baby, they decide they're going to make as much noise as they can. And the noise they make, uh, you know, basically just weirds out the dingoes to the point where they take off. So right, Cora right. gets, gets an opportunity to, to right her wrong. Right. Or wrong. wrong. Right. Right. Wrong. Right. Wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> and this is while Quigley has has gone off to town, and unfortunately, he gets found out, and he has a run in. <laughs> he jumps from roof to roof, and falls through in that one roof. There are those people in the motel room, and Andy Blockley doesn't know what they're doing because because <laughs> the because the, the girls in front of the guy or the girls behind the guy, and all that kind of <laughs> weird stuff going on. Yeah, so I don't know, it, Andy. They do it in Australia know. too, man. <laughs> In Australia, those those people were all you know criminals from the yeah, UK, right? So yeah, so yeah, Andy should know about that then. So deja vu <laughs> is back, back on, on you. Filming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the, the the message that he sends back, you know, he sends the guy back on the horse to let Alan Rickman know, "Yep, I'm coming for you." And in typical fashion, you know, if you've ever read any of the Jack Reacher novels or if you've ever watched one of these movies like, hey, let's let's say Die Hard, maybe. Right. Every time Alan Rickman, even Alan Rickman, right. sends out goons, they don't come back. Or one of them comes back saying, he was everywhere. I don't know how to get it. He was everywhere. I don't know where he was. And he gave a cut from ear to ear. He gave her a cut from ear to ear. <laughs> we are gr- we are rapidly going to lose the people who listen to us from other countries. I'm sorry. Well, because they're going to, they don't sound anything like we we sound. <laughs> all of these all of these impressions we do they are they are generalizations of other accents, and I won't say what accents they're supposed to be. <laughs> But anyways, man, getting back to this movie, there's a lot of a lot of great action going on in this movie, man. And uh, I mean, you even got some of the some of the henchmen. You you get down to where he's narrowed the scope down, right? So he's got down to Alan Rickman and a couple of henchmen. So Alan Rickman's standing there, and he's got like David Coverdale standing on one side, and then the lead singer is Simply Red on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it's about to go down. It's about to go down. <laughs> Well, I mean, and, and much like I'm not a huge Western fan either, but one of my other favorites, I mean, it's hard not to have this as a favorite. Uh, we might get into a Braveheart style conversation about whether or not it's it's lovable for everyone. But 
is quick as uh, uh, Silverado. Oh yeah, Silverado's great. You can't you know fight Silverado. You know Danny Glover. You got Kevin Costner. You got uh, Kevin Klein. I mean the, the list goes on and on. And that's no a much. who's who. I mean right. Yeah. You, you got everybody in that movie. Yeah, I mean even to the point where bit parts like the gambler is uh, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, but. That's a different movie, and we'll probably cover that at some point. That's a good one. That's again, like I said, there's a handful of them I like. A fistful of westerns, and a fistful of westerns, and that's one of them I like as well. But uh, it gets pretty well, narrow from that point. But what you have to have is you have to have that showdown, right? And you know, out in the middle of nowhere, there's a there's a farmhouse where the bad guy lives, and that's where the showdown's going to happen. Yeah. So another reason to watch the movie: the showdown. You know, Alan Rickman thinks he has him at a disadvantage at this point because they take his rifle away. They give him a just a regular six-shooter, so they're going to make it a drawing contest because he thinks that Quigley doesn't know anything about using just a regular pistol because he tells yeah. him early on in the movie that he's just not fond of them. Well, yeah, I think what he says is, I've never had any use for. Right. I've never had any use for a pistol, right. Again, been beaten pretty bad. They've taken his gun away, and he sta- they stand him up. And make him, you know, forced to draw. <laughs> and he just blows them all away. <laughs> and, of course, you get yeah. the, the famous bad guy ending where, you said you were no good with the six-shooter. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and he says, well, I said I never had a use for one. Didn't say it wasn't any good. Right. So, you know, and, and not only that, but I think it was stacked against him. He had, like, three people he was drawn against simultaneously. Right. And he yeah. kills them all. Yeah. Matthew uh, Quigley. Bad dude, man. Bad dude. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I'm, I really enjoyed this one. And, and like I said, that's come from somebody that does not watch a lot of Westerns. But this one has enough entertaining stuff. And the story is just different enough that it keeps it very entertaining. Good performances. Alan Rickman's the bad guy. What more can you say? Right. And, you know, if you want to watch this movie and fast forward, it's totally okay. You know, what we've done is we've told you what happens in the slow parts, you know, on the, the outback. There really are long sequences where you're being – put through the motions just to show just how, how treacherous the outback is. And you can ignore all those parts. You know what they're there for. Right. Now, as, as promised before, there's a spoiler that I'm going to give you here. Um, at the end, of course, crazy core has been co- calling him Roy, which was her, her husband's name, her husband who left her after yeah, she had the, you know, after she smothered their baby. And, um, and at the end he's, he's getting out of town and the word is out that Matthew Quigley's a wanted man. And the guy behind the counter says, now, what was your name? <laughs> he says, he looks over at Corey and he says, uh, my name's Roy. And in, even that whole time, the, the guy at the counter is reaching under the, under the counter there for a gun because he thinks he's identified. And there's a wanted poster right there beside him. Because in Australia, when you're wanted, it means they have a gun and they're going to shoot you. Right. Hey, well, that's what I meant in the 18-something. They don't have guns now. They're, well, we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so so the fact that he finally, you know, he accepted Cora and she accepted him because after that, doesn't she say you get watched out. it to the hmm? get out? I think I don't. <laughs> yeah, get out! Get out! Get out! I've lost my earplugs. <laughs> I'm on Mars. Helming. <laughs> Thanks everybody for sticking with us. I appreciate. It. Um, Bottom line. Because he uh, accepts the moniker of Roy, it saves his life. So Cora is able to repay any debts. You know, not that she didn't hold her own. Right. One of the things I was going to say, and I think I got sidetracked, was that 
early on they're in the outback and Cora actually takes some of the stuff he's carrying to, to carry. Of course, the later he has to carry her, but you know, she's not just, she's not the character from uh, temple of doom, you know, no. who's, who's putting on perfume and Oh my hair, you know, she's, she's a rough and tumble girl. Yeah, it's also crazy, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's uh she can handle her own. That's for sure. And being crazy has helped her do that for so long. So, right. And she's cute too. Yeah. She's cute. Yep. All right, cool. Let's give it a rating. I give it eight CeeLo Green Babies. Eight CeeLo Green Babies. Maybe the dango ate your baby. <laughs> I'm going to give it 22 grub worms on a plate. <laughs> Ew. All right. Now, in case that's ambiguous, that, that means I liked it because I like eating grub worms. Well, uh, Chewbacca, what do you think? <laughs> Okay. Yeah. All right. Damn it, Chewbacca. <laughs> Alright, we'll be right back. From the brilliant minds at Ming's Eye Theater, who brought you Spring Heel Jack 2, comes a sequel long awaited. Quigley in the Yukon. When Matthew Quigley finds himself in the bitter cold of the Yukon, he's forced to once again make a stand. I need you to kill all these Enuits. So cold. So you won't do it? In the harsh cold of the Yukon, see Matthew Quigley once again pick up his trusty rifle to make right what's wrong and to administer justice to those on the wrong side of what's right. Oh, frozen. Come on. Quigley in the Yukon. Coming to a theater near you. He survived the outback. And now he's coming to America to right a wrong from long ago. Dingo Pictures presents The Adventures of Baby CeeLo Green. Come enjoy the fun with Baby CeeLo and his new caretaker, Uncle Snuff. Now, Dad, blame it, Baby CeeLo. You can't just go around and be a killing everybody. Now, you just put down that knife. You'll be wondering who's taking care of who. Dad, blame it, CeeLo. You get down off that wagon, you're going to catch a cold. And stop hitting that girl in the head with a hammer. It's wild. Baby CeeLo, you get off that end then. It's fun. Dad, blame it, CeeLo. Get off that train. Oh. Great goobly goo. 
It's an adventure that pleases everyone. No, baby, see low, not the rocket launcher. The Adventures of Baby CeeLo Green, coming this August. Howdy, folks. Ready for the second movie? Sure you are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> As we mentioned before, this movie is, it's a Sam Raimi film, which uh, anybody who's been listening knows that I'm hate, a huge Sam Raimi fan. Yeah, we hate Sam Raimi. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> Sam Raimi, if you're listening, tell CeeLo Green we love him. <laughs> Hail Ming. That's funny. I said CeeLo Green. Like CeeLo Green. CeeLo Green. <laughs> we, we chopped all the grain down. CeeLo Green? CeeLo Green? On the oh. ground. What? <laughs> all right. <laughs> Back before we get sued. <laughs> We're talking about the incredible Sam Raimi, Quick and the Dead. Quick and the Dead. This movie is so awesome, and I know I know we've watched it probably ten times together back in the day, and it never gets old. I go back and revisit it, and it still just blows me away. The pacing of it is so fast. You got Sam Raimi at the helm. You got Gene Hackman. You got a star-studded cast, man. Uh, and we'll get into all that. But man, what a movie! I saw this movie in the theater. Um, and you know, it came out the same time as Dumb and Dumber. And the people I was with were like, we're going to go see Dumb and Dumber. And I'm like, well, you can do that. I'm going to go see Quick and the Dead because it's a, I mean, it was Sam Raimi and it was a Western. And yeah, I'm, like we said, we're not huge fans of Westerns, but it's also a tournament movie, which I think we mentioned it with a previous guest. A tournament movie is its own, is its own plot. Sure. And I think when it's done right, there's really no better. And, and this movie was definitely done right. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> you need to pick that mic back up. <laughs> Mortal Kombat! <laughs> Anybody? Street Fighter. <laughs> I'm losing you, man. <laughs> All right, but Rumble in the Bronx. Not a tournament movie. <laughs> Muppets take Manhattan. Oh, I like the part that Jason Voorhees was in. Is that <laughs> yes. the same movie? Yes. Yeah. That's the best part. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to this one. Uh, to give us a synopsis, we've got uh, – this is a special one here. This is uh, Janine from Ghostbusters. The Quick and the Dead is a 1995 action western by director Sam Raimi. Ellen, an unknown female gunslinger, rides into a small, dingy, and depressing prairie town with a secret as to her reason for showing up. Shortly after her arrival, a local preacher, Court, is thrown through the saloon doors while town folk are signing up for a gun competition. The pot is a huge sum of money, and the only rule that you follow the rules of the man that set up the contest, Herod. Herod is also the owner, leader, and ruler of the town. Seems he's arranged this little gun show off so that the preacher, who used to be an outlaw and rode with Herod, will have to fight again. Court refuses to ever use a gun to kill again, and Herod, acknowledging Court as one of the best, is determined to alter his line of thinking. 
even if it gets someone killed. Here's a quote from The Kid, played by a young Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm so damn fast I can wake up at the crack of dawn, rob two banks, a train, and a stagecoach, shoot the tail feathers off a duck's ass at 300 feet, still be back in bed before you wake up next to me. Sounds like a good one. (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah, she has every bit as much uh, enthusiasm as she does the uh, receptionist at the Ghostbusters headquarters there. Of course they're serious. You do? <laughs> We've got really? one! Uh, for all of you out there, Janine will do a requests if you send scripts or commercials. Yeah, she's uh, she's busy enough, but she can take more work. Yeah, well, she's she's been out of the, the voice you know work for a while, so... <laughs> Good job, Janine. Okay, so I'm I'm, I'm gonna let you have it, man. Quick and I'm gonna end. I'm gonna tell you right now. Okay, I think we did break into the '90s 100 percent because this is a 1995 movie. Right. I'm gonna tell you right now. The reason to watch this movie is this movie. Right. There isn't a dull moment. There are a ton of of, of awesome, incredible characters, and the actors that are in it are all people you like. You like Gene Hackman. Yes. You like Russell Crowe? You yes. like Lance Heinrichson? Yes. You like Keith David? Uh-huh. I mean, I'm... Sharon that, those Stone! Are the ones. You, got, you got Sharon Stone? I mean, you, you like Tobin Bell? Man. Not me either. <laughs> anyway, they're all in this movie, and they all have these little bit parts to play. I'm sure that they were all like, I want to play that character when they looked at the whole list, because every one of them is this cliched Western trope. You know, you have the... The general from the Civil War uh, who, who's come in become a gun for hire. You've got the daredevil uh, trick shooter in an ace Hanlon. Put an ace up there. <laughs> They'll know what that means. They'll know what that means. I mean, and every one of them has their part to play to make this just a great tournament movie. It's, you know, you establish all the characters and then you eliminate them one by one. One of Rick and I's favorite characters is a guy that steps up when they start to uh, create the tournament and they they start asking for volunteers. The first guy that sets up is, but <laughs> Gusman, I am Swedish faster champion, <laughs> Swedish champion, <laughs> and uh, you know they all laugh and and he's he's great. You know they put his name on there and he gets eliminated, but he plays a part in the tournament. It's one of those things. You establish all these interesting characters. You let the and the characters interact, and then you let the tournament play out until the last one. It's a plot that's ready to be driven. I'm going to say right now, like the reason to watch the movie. My first reason is the movie. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, the character that Sharon Stone plays, man, she's all business, man. She's there for one purpose. There just happens to be a tournament going on, and. Uh, that all just really plays out fantastic. And, uh, man, come on. The reason to watch this movie, Sam Raimi. I mean, the the way that this is all put together, the way it looks, the angles, the shots in the street, the zoom-ins that he does. This is him doing his best type work in a Western. And it's just so entertaining. So many great characters. Uh, you like Bruce Campbell? That's great because his name's on the list, but you don't really see him. So I think that that I read that he was in as a wedding shimp. Yeah, wedding shimp. 
if you know Sam Raimi, he he loves to add Shemp's because Shemp was one of the Three Stooges, and that's kind of the word he puts in there for a filler character. But I think he was cut out, is what I read. I, yeah. I don't recall seeing him. He was supposed to be in one of the wedding scenes, like a Mexican wedding. A lot of people in costumes and face paint. So if he was there, I didn't recognize him. Right. Oh, there great. is a scene in one of the taverns where there's a little guy dressed up, like a little dwarf dressed up as a devil with red skin. Right, right. Yeah, there and we were like, of- what's up with that guy? Yeah, there's some, ooh, wee, what's up with that? What's up with that? <laughs> oh, hey, hey. Next reason to watch this movie? Virgil Sparks, The Pride of Texas. Yeah, that's what I was getting to, but I never got there because there's so much to talk about. When they start to take names, this guy stands up. You know, put my name on there, Virgil Sparks, The Pride of Texas. And I think the next time you see him, his name is Sparks, and he's getting X'd off the board. Because, you know, they, you know there's there are several montages. And that would be the second reason to watch, or the third reason after Virgil Sparks to watch this movie. There's a gun preparation montage. Oh, There's yeah. a tournament montage. Oh, yeah. There's a time passing montage. There are all these montages where, like, scenes or, or images are, are superimposed over other images and, and people's faces are shown. And it just tells the story without words. Right. It's awesome. Yeah. It, it's just great. But yeah, I can't. <laughs> what kills me about that too, and this shows you the impact of the movie. But I remember, uh, I remember Danny at work when people would come up and be from not from the company we worked for and introduce themselves, <laughs> wanting some information or something. He'd say, "Virgil Sparks, <laughs> the Pride of Texas," and he would tell these people that, and they never thought any differently. He was Virgil Sparks. <laughs> yeah, we, we did a lot of lying back in those days. <laughs> We just, we just didn't have Brian Blessed back then to, to let everybody know. Yeah, that's where we cut our teeth with the whole lying game. Um, uh, hey, another reason why this. DiCaprio's the perfect punk, man. He's the perfect yeah. hotshot kid. I was just realizing that of all the people I named, you know, recent Oscar award winner um, Leonardo DiCaprio was not in that list. Yeah. Because he plays the kid. He's very young in this. And he, you know, another one of the gunslingers, they all have a shtick and his is that he's the kid, you know, he's young and he's, he's cocky and, uh, he does a great job of just playing this character to the hilt. Yeah. And, and to just tell you the pacing of this thing too, man, within 16 minutes of the opening of the movie, you've already met every character. That's how fast this thing moves, man. So yeah. six, 16 minutes in, you know, the entire cast, everybody that's in it. And you've already seen a lot of action at this point. And it just it just it doesn't stop. Well, you know, it starts off with like a musket cam, uh, uh, Tobin Bell shooting Sharon Stone coming in. And then, you know, she ruses him out and she knocks him out and, and chains him to a wagon wheel, which later when he comes into town, he's still <laughs> shackled to the wagon wheel. It's but awesome. then. You know, say you're you're a Western fan, and you're like, this doesn't sound like a Western to me. It sounds like a bunch of crap. Well, listen, <laughs> when she walks into town, what's the first thing she runs into? Rick, you got it? Uh, no. The, the coffin. <laughs> the coffin maker. Oh, that's right. The guy's carving a coffin, yeah. and he says, uh, about five foot eight. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, how, how much of a trope in, in Westerns is that? Right. I think it would have been better if she was, like, pulling a – a casket behind her while she was coming into town, you know. Right. 
The, I was going to say the next character I remember being introduced. I mean, there are several that are introduced rapid fires. It's Scars. Because oh, yeah. he rides into town out of nowhere. And then he goes into the saloon. A guy gets kicked out of the saloon. Yeah. He lets that guy run off a la Matthew Quigley style. Right. And then um, almost out of town. Yeah. And then he shoots him off his horse and uh, and just takes a big old swig of beer. Yep. Just goes right back right, right back to being nasty. And, and tells Sharon Stone, he says, you're pretty. <laughs> of course, he looks like a badger that's lost a fight. <laughs> even though he's, I think he's even missing an eye or something. He's, yeah, he's, he's got a milky eye. Yeah. He's got, you know, he's, his name is Scars. When he shoots the guy, he he cuts his arm, right. you know, to, to indicate you know another another kill. And then uh, you know he says, "You're pretty," and Ellen says, "You're not." <laughs> Because I need a woman. She says, you need, you a, need bath. a bath. <laughs> yep. It's got some great, it's just set up so well, man. But even when he comes in on the horse, he's riding in just like 90 to nothing. He gets off and somebody goes, hey, Scar. And he goes, shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, just another thing here. They, you might be saying, well, you know, this, this, again, this doesn't sound like a movie. I want. Look, why is it not a movie you want to see? I mean, all the characters in it are, are, are super entertaining. It's kind of vapid, I guess. There's not really a moral to it, right. other than the the uh, the bad guy gets it in the end, right? And, well, and and what can you say about that, man? I mean, Gene Hackman is the bad Gene guy. Hackman, such a bad dude in this movie, man. You forget how awesome Gene Hackman is. I mean, and you never hear about this movie, right? You know, like I don't know what took its thunder, but. I'm telling anybody out there who hasn't watched this movie, trust me, just right. go watch it. Buy it right now. I, I mean, it's, it's just incredible. I mean, again, what else do you need? Gene Hackman, Leonardo DiCaprio, Sharon Stone, Pee Wee Herman. No, I'm kidding. Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> you know, because he didn't get that award from that dragon, you know. Right. He plays the suit. You know, like like uh, he he comes in wearing a little gray suit with a with a red tie, and he's like, oh, I guess I'm a shooter now." <laughs> I have it in my notes. Lance freaking Hendri- Hendrickson, man. I mean, yeah, man. Uh, he, and, you know, he plays so he plays awesome. this. Oh, he plays this scummy uh, <laughs> trick shooter who's going from town to town, and he's he's saying, "Oh, you know, this is you know the next town I go to, and I, I killed these people here." And he's just all. I, th- I think when he's introduced, he tells Sharon Stone, he said, every time I kill someone, I put an ace in my deck. And then he fans out his deck, and it's all aces. You know, yeah. it's just he's he's all yeah. Show. It's all showmanship. And, you know, he does this trick shot and shoots this card that this girl's holding. And Gene Hagman comes by and says, I heard you shot a girl's finger off doing that. Yeah. And you know, of course, every time Gene Hagman comes in, he's the real deal, right? So, so Lance Henriksen bristles at him, and you know, kind of starts to to fade away. But he can't fade too much because everybody believes him. We're kind of jumping around, but man, there's so many great scenes in this. I, I think of Sharon Stone when when Russell Crowe plays a preacher in this that used to be a, a bad guy, used to be one of Gene Hackman's henchmen, and uh, they've got him strung up. And basically, are you know they're shooting the the legs off the bottom of the chair that he's standing in, and in, uh, about to kill him. And Sharon Stone saves him. And you know, there's all these backstories of things of how it all ties together. Yep, it, it's it's just a great movie. Yeah, and and when she saves Russell Crowe, she's also you know saving Gary Sinise. Right. 
Right. right. So her backstory is that she came in to right or wrong. Right. And she's been in that situation before and she did it this time. Right. Why, why should you watch Quick and the Dead? Because Spotted Horse cannot be killed by a bullet. Spotted Horse cannot be killed by a bullet. <laughs> a bullet went in here just this morning and has not come out yet. <laughs> I got shot while I go while eating pancakes. <laughs> This, so these characters, this this rogues gallery of characters involved in this quick dog competition, one of them is Spotted Horse, who's this Native American, tears off his shirt, shows how many times he's been shot, and he is his whole thing is Spotted Horse cannot be killed by a bullet. Right. And when it comes time for him to uh, to duel, it takes more, you know, <laughs> it, 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 he's, he's right. He's proven He cannot be killed by one bullet. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just great, man. Because you've got series and series of gunfights out in the street. You've got this one guy that's a henchman that is kind of messing around with an underage girl. And uh, Sharon Stone keeps keep seeing him messing around with this girl. And uh, the hatred between those two just keep growing and growing. He's just a piece of crap. Yeah. And, and they finally have a duel out in the rain, which is amazing. It, it's such a highlight of the movie. That, that whole scene is just incredible. I agree. And you know, Rick, you are a uh, a Brian De Palma fan. I would say that that the way that Sam Raimi and he's done this before, the way he does focus in the foreground and the background oh, yeah. simultaneously, oh yeah, it's a lot like the split screen that that Brian De Palma does, where he sure. likes to get action going on in two different places. Right, right. It's and just, uh, he does it a lot in this movie. Right. I, I mean, again, just if you have any visual idea of what Sam Raimi is when you hear his name, this movie is just. It's it's all over it, and uh, it's it's textbook Sam Raimi just done in a western with an exciting story, great you know shootouts in the street. It's just awesome. Yeah, I mean, we could talk. Well, let's let's go ahead and talk about it. That's what we're here to do. the The first duel between the preacher and somebody is a guy named Foy. And yeah. that guy sends his kids over to beat him up first. <laughs> Our daddy's going to kill you, preacher. <laughs> Our kids don't go to church much. Like, and then you know the guy thinks it's a shoe in because the guy because because the preacher said he's not going to use a gun. Right. But he he's just so ingrained that he ends up shooting anyway. You said you weren't going to shoot. <laughs> but you know that guy. I mean, and there's your first introduction to the preacher as as a gunfighter. Right. And it's Russell Crowe. He does a great job at it. Has Every it one of these duels is fantastic. Right. The the one that, that gets me is when um um Herod. Right. Yeah. Um uh, Gene Hackman, when he's talking, it, there's just a conversation between him and Ace Hanlon and uh Lance Henriksen. Oh yeah. And they're talking and he's saying, you know, I, I heard you killed these brothers, and he's yeah, I did. You know, the truth is I gunned one of them down with my left hand. I'm just as good with both. Right. And they're talking and they're talking. And then all of a sudden pans out, turns out they're on either end of the road and they're in the middle of their duel just talking. The 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 clock strikes. Hanlon, you know, beats him to dead to right, shoots his right hand. He says, well, what about your left? He goes to shoot. He shoots him. He shoots him in the left hand with his left hand. He says, "The truth is, I'm just as good with both of my hands." I mean, like Hamlin is is proven to be the uh, the the I guess the the fake that he is. Right. I mean, he's been taking this story and bragging about it, but it was it was Gene Hackman's character Herod that that had done all this. Right. So, uh, so 
And, and that's uh, why he's been giving him the stink eye every time they're in the same room, too, because right. he knows he's just a big phony. Right. He, and he's, you know, Herod set this whole thing up. He's got everybody coming in that, you know, that, that either disgust him, that he has, a, uh, he has some beef with. But it really comes down to he wanted to go against Russell Crowe, who was supposedly the fastest draw that there is. Right. And that's the whole and he, game point was to, to get him involved. And he couldn't just, just go challenge him because – um, you know, being a preacher, he's renounced violence. So he said he won't he won't do it anymore. Right. So he had his guys go out and find him, beat him up, drag him behind the horse into town, tie him to the fountain in the middle of town, and keep him there till it's his turn to fight. And uh, it's it's just crazy, man. And we haven't even talked about pretty much our favorite character actor, Keith David. Keith David. I was going to bring him up. You know, the the town doesn't like Herod being there. So they've hired a gun to to take him out, and they hired the general, yeah, Sergeant Cantrell. And when when they they go to put his name up on the big chalkboard, which is one of my reasons to watch the movie, the oh, chalkboard, yeah. yeah, he says, "How do you spell that?" Keith David says, <laughs> "Correctly." <laughs> it's good stuff, man. Yeah, it's great. And the way he shoots, he shoots from the hip, and his gun's just on a swivel on his belt. Yeah. It's probably not the best of tactics, but for some Well, you know, it's probably fast. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but there's a turning point in this movie, too, and it's actually his duel with uh, with Herod. And from that point on, every gunfight is to the death. It starts off, it's like, you know, you can wound somebody, and but now it's gotten to where you shoot till somebody's dead. Right. So, uh, you know, it, it gets, you know, Gene Hackman just gets more evil as this thing goes on. And I can't say it enough. What a bad guy. I mean, well, he's perfect for this role. Let's talk for just a minute about about that dynamic as far as the plot goes. Um, you know, because at first, if you like a character, you can say, well, they'll probably just wing them and then they'll be able to walk away alive. Well, you know, after this point. Gene Hackman has made it to say you like the kid. The kid's still in the contest. Yeah. It's to the death. Anybody you like that's still in the contest could die now. Right. It, it ratchets up the tension, and yeah. and it's a it's just a great dynamic. It's it's just fantastic, man. I, I again, this is probably my fa- favorite western period. And uh, not only that, but this is a movie that I enjoy just watching anytime. It's just action packed. Love it. Hey, and I'm going to give credit. The uh, The writer's name is Simon Moore. I saw it when I was reading it. I'm not familiar with his work, but uh, again, you know, they, he did a great job of, of writing just a, an ensemble cast you know, in this tournament movie. And it's nonstop. There's not a moment where you, know, you can really get bored with what's going on. Right. It, it segues right into the next. There are more characters that, than we can really talk about. Right. You know, the, yeah, even, I mean, to the point of the little blind kid that's in town, the bartender. I mean, there's all these characters. It, there's nobody that's not there without a purpose. And uh, it's just good filmmaking. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, um, it takes the plot and it doesn't ruin it. Right. You know, it doesn't add information you don't need. And just good casting. I mean, putting the right people in the right place. Uh, you can't even imagine any of these people being a different character. You know, Lance Henderson is ace. I mean, that's just one of his iconic characters to me. You know, uh, when when you say his name, that's one of the images I come up with. So, uh, well, just just perfect casting. I, I agree, and I'm just going to take a minute to say, why doesn't this movie get more 
spelling. Well, it came out at a time when Westerns wasn't popular, and I don't know. I think it got overshadowed. Like you said, it came out the same time Dumb and Dumber came out. I don't think it got the the press that it deserved. Uh, You saw it in the theater. I discovered it later because I guess because you had seen it first, and you bought a copy of it and brought it over. And I was just blown away, and I don't think enough people have checked this movie out. So, again, that's why it's on the show here. And this is one that we've been talking about since we started the show of we've got to tell people about this movie. They need to check it out. And, you know, if you're familiar with it, congratulations. You're one of the few. If you're not, trust us on this. Yeah. If you like the movies that we've come up with so far, then give this one a chance. And, you know, even if you just want to watch the trailer to to make sure or something, Go check it out yep. because it, it'll be worth your time. It's a lot of fun, and it's really well done. Right, and it goes by fast. You're not going to have to fast forward because it just it moves so quick, and you're going to miss something if you do fast forward. So, yeah, man, it, it's great. Uh, again, this is, this is on our list of movies to cover the whole time, and uh, we just now got around to finding something to match it up with. So, yeah. Uh, it's just a favorite of ours. Go buy a copy of it on Amazon right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and it, while you're there, make a comment asking Sam Raimi to make more westerns, right, or something, because yeah. you'll yeah. be doing us all a favor. We'll do it too. I'll go on there and comment. No, I may, I probably won't. <laughs> Tell you, does Sam Raimi work for Amazon? Could you please pass him this message, Sam Raimi? <laughs> uh, what if Sam Raimi and CeeLo Green made a movie together? How about that? Yeah, well, you know, since uh, since Crazy Cora saved CeeLo Green, they get the opportunity. Right. So there you go, folks. That's how history is made. <laughs> That's how we make it. That's <laughs> uh, all right. I guess we're ready for a rating. Uh, I am going to give it uh, ten Sharon Stones sleeping semi naked on top of some dynamite kegs. Ooh, the only thing that didn't happen in the movie that you just said were the fact that there was only one Sharon Stone. I'm going to give it <laughs> 10 bullets that cannot kill Spotted Horse. That was actually what I thought first, but I figured he might go there, so I picked a different one. Oh, you're so I nice. Just, I just think about that scene where she's waking up and she's been sleeping with DiCaprio, and you know she's all like, yeah. <laughs> and there's like, yeah, man, you're sleeping on top of these powder kegs. Oh, great idea. Yeah, I, I yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio is great in that, too. Um, yeah. I'm not, and, the big, know, I'm not the biggest fan of him either, but he's just perfect in this role. The thing about, and then I wanted to say this, is if you're watching this and you're kind of weirded out by Sharon Stone's performance, I've always kind of thought it was weird too, but I got to thinking about it while I was watching this last time. She simultaneously has to be so driven by rage right. that she's here to kill people, but also... She's intimidated oh, yeah. by by Herod, by yeah. Gene Hackman's character. Ever yeah. since childhood, she's been intimidated by him. Yeah. And so she's got to simultaneously play this badass and also this little girl that's still scared of this guy. She's trying to face her fears. Right. And that, you know, she does it really well. Now that I've kind of had that context in place, I can appreciate her her uh her job a lot more. Yeah, I mean there's there's a total reason of why she's like she is. She's trying to front and have this attitude cuz she's anger driven like you said but inside she's just as scared as anybody would be and it's, it's, it's again it just adds to the character development so much so i love this movie and you know who else does russell crowe russell crowe what do you think about this movie are you not entertained are you not entertained 
<laughs> well, he sounded a little mad. I, I think he doesn't like the fact that you guys haven't gone out and bought it yet. So That's right. Go out and I'll, buy it right to, now. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, I, I just can't believe that Spotted Horse wins the whole thing at the end. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was a twist me. that I didn't expect. Um, <laughs> well, he can't be killed by a bullet. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's like he's a robot. He's a Native American gunfight winning robot. Hey, that's the sequel for sure. It's kind of like what they did with King Kong Lives. You know, they they you know they take him and do a surgery on him, give him some bionics, let him rip. So, two things about this that I, I got to mention in, in in finality. There's a parallel scene at the beginning and end where Sharon Stone's hat gets shot and the sun is oh, coming yeah. through the bullet hole. Yeah. And then at the end, you know, the bad guy gets shot, and there's and there's a shadow cast, and you see the sun coming through the bullet hole right, right through. Right, right. Sam Raimi magic, man. I love it's the scene awesome. when she throws the badge and it sticks in the ground. That angle is just you're just like, man, it's so Sam Raimi. It's yeah, it's like I was watching John Singleton's Shaft. <laughs> was that an X-rated do we, movie? Do we have a yeah, John Singleton's Shaft? <laughs> Do we have crickets Hell or something me. for that one? I, <laughs> I, I went and uh, and saw that just like I saw Quick and the Dead, and I, and I was unfortunately not as not as pleased. But you know, there you go. Some movies don't do it. <laughs> That's the I'm, my brain just made that noise. <laughs> Shaft. <laughs> Uh, All right, we'll be right back. Are you broke? Looking for a change of careers? Or just looking for some good old-fashioned fun? If so, then do I have the deal for you. Time Life Books presents another way to get your money. It's the Quick of the Dead Scavenger School. That's right, Scavenger School. You be quick when they be dead. We'll show you the ins and outs of quick attacking. Never let a body turn cold. When a body drops, be the first to drop in and take what's left. In our six-week course, you'll learn how to strip a man down to his union suit in under 10 seconds. Learn how to remove gold teeth without hardly any tools at all. What's the fastest way to get a man out of his boots? Sign up today and find out. A wise man once said, you'll never know a man till you walk a mile in his shoes. So take the man's shoes and get to stepping. Call 1-800-ASK-HEROD today. That's 1-800-275-4376. The Wild West, it can be brutal. Savages, the heat, the dust. And people face these dangers to come here for one thing, cupcakes. Hi folks, this is Virgil Sparks, the pride of Texas. And even though our city is known for the quick draw competitions, it's also known for the Quick and the Bread Bakery Saloon. We can supply all your baking needs for weddings, birthdays, holidays, and our big seller now, funeral funnel cakes. So if you can't stand the heat in the street, come inside for a cupcake treat. That's the Quick and the Bread Bakery Saloon, Panera can suck it. 
The Quick and the Bread Bakery Saloon is a proud subsidiary of Duncan McCupcakes. Well, hey, are you new in town? About 5'8"? Never you mind. It ain't too soon to plan for the great beyond. Here at Coffins, 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 we really nailed down prices. <laughs> we have better than cadaverage wares. So, you can get morgue than you asked for. <laughs> Finances dead on arrival. Look into our post-mortem gold teeth and fancy threads plan. By the way, I like your shoes about my size. Coffins, coffins, coffins. Round here, we earn our keep. No bones about it. So there you have it. Episode 13. And, uh, you know, we're still having a good time. Uh, I know Danny's kind of to the tilt right now. To the tilt. I don't even know what to I'm saying. To the tilt. He's to the tilt. Uh, he's got a Put lot an ace of, up there. They'll <laughs> know what that means. <laughs> Virgil Sparks, the proud of Texas. He's got a full plate right now, so we're just trying to make things happen. But, again, uh, it's always fun to get together with him and go through these movies that we just enjoy talking about. And we talk about them just as much when we're not recording as when we do. So uh, just glad for you guys to keep tuning in. We're just still loving it, still having a good time. Ain't you, Danny? Yes, you are. Yeah, I'm having a, I'm having a great time. We were talking about some of the requests we've gotten and that we still haven't filled. So we're going to have to start doing that. And, you know, it's not that we don't want to. It's that we wanted to make sure that some of these these movies that, that have been, you know, kicking around in our brains get this outlet. Yeah. Because we've wanted to do it for so long. Well, So, and, and, you know, keep yeah. it coming. Keep being engaged. You know, you know an episode featuring one of your requests is coming up soon. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, that's the thing about this is, believe it or not, we've actually planned out a schedule for so far out. And we're finally getting to the point to where we can start adding some new stuff in there. So that's kind of where we're at. So even from like episode one, you guys were requesting stuff. Uh, those will start popping up here pretty soon. So be on the lookout for those. Keep uh, keep giving us information and ideas on, on our Facebook page and everything, man. Just keep doing that. Again, keep checking out Legion Podcast. Keep everything going. And uh, just peace and love, everybody. Peace and love. <laughs> and if you don't like any of the changes we've made to our recent episodes, then just remember, if we don't change things, then you're going to get the same. And the same is boring. That's it for us. So keep on rocking in the free world. Keep on rocking in the free world. All right. That's the best Michael McDonald song I can think of. We'll see you guys later. Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs>
I know you asked for it the first week we started this thing, but shut up. And if people say, what happened to Brian Blessing? We say, shut up. I have been ready since first take. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. We've got a couple of good movies for you, boy. First one's called Midnight Ripper. It's about a space cowboy. He flies into space with a bullwhip and he fights a dragon to save the Crystal Palace. It stars <laughs> Sally Field and Russell Crowe and the great Gary Coleman. <laughs> it is directed by the incredible mind of Ron Jeremy. So be on the lookout for that one, boy. The next one is one of my personal favorites. It's called Washing Machine. About a little retarded boy learns how to run real fast. It also stars Sally Field and Damon Wayans and Steve Gutenberg. It is also directed by first-time director Shaka Khan. 